0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PonderCast. I'm joined by a different face and voice this week, the immeasurably, I don't know, (laughs) the Honorable Jeremy Lawsett.
1: Not the very reverend. Uh, The very
0: reverend. (laughs) The arch priest. (laughs)
1: My congregation hear this.
0: (laughs) yeah oh man so uh i have my good friend jeremy on today he's a regular guest of the show last time we had him on we talked about jacob wrestling with god and i actually preached on that a few weeks ago and i was going to listen to that episode again but I totally forgot because i wanted to get the good insights from that but uh anyways here we are how are you doing
1: doing pretty good yeah happy and healthy
0: Glad to be here, (laughs) Ivan. One of the things, it's become like a common thing at the beginning of the episode. I don't know if you've heard any of them recently, but Drew updates us on the health of his household because for like weeks there, for months, they had a different sickness go through. Well, I guess you experienced that too. (laughs) Didn't you have COVID like three times?
1: Twice that we know of, um, but but the, that was within four months of each other. So yeah, it 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 was a pretty short turnaround period. And that first that first time went, you know, hit me hard, and then the second time got Winona and, and Linnea mm. hard. But uh, no, we've been pretty hmm. healthy for the most part as a family lately. So hmm. very very blessed about that.
0: Well, for the listeners who may have not heard of you, you are the pastor of the Pine Ridge Fellowship Chapel in Hudson Bay, beautiful yes. Hudson Bay, Saskatchewan.
1: Yes, it's important to add that Saskatchewan part. You wouldn't believe how many conversations <laughs> I've had with people. You know, I'm from Hudson Bay. Oh, really? And then they start thinking I'm like from the Hudson's Bay. You know,
0: you live on an island in the middle of the Hudson Bay.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I feel about as secluded sometimes, but. Um... <laughs> Yeah, we we took a drive out to uh, Steep Rock Bay Bible Camp yesterday. Oh, uh, first time being there, and there was like no service for like basically the entire way. I mean, it's pretty secluded. <laughs> there's there's really nothing in between besides bush and bears. So.
0: <laughs> was it paved? It was
1: paved. For yeah, <laughs> I mean, if, if some of the places, it's borderline whether you could call it paved, but it, you know, it's technically paved. <laughs>
0: What is that? Highway fifty-five?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. I, hmm. I didn't look. I don't look at highway signs. It's just like, oh. hey, look! It's the highway going east. All right, uh, <laughs> or
0: maybe it's Highway three. Oh yeah, I think it's Highway three. Anyway, it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> yeah, it shows my
0: ignorance. Living, I'm here just interested in that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so here we are talking about the Apostles' Creed. Uh, we're going to be using a book. As our launching pad, as we've been doing the last few episodes, Drew and I were looking at the book by James K. Smith called You Are What You Love. And uh, really, uh, I think Drew was getting a little annoyed with how much we were talking about the liturgy, <laughs> <laughs> the liturgical action. Mm. And this is a good, uh, I think, uh, follow-up to that, talking about the creed. Because this is, I think, one way in which we can introduce some kind of liturgical uh, prayer. I I will call it a prayer. I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But some kind of, it's like a liturgical aspect, either into your own life or into into your worship service. Because I think that this is more than just something that we are saying in a service. Like, as I'm going to say in a moment, I think that this is actually something that we pray. But, uh, just to introduce the book uh we're using the well, i am i don't know were you able to access this online through hoopla
1: uh, i I just bought it off a of Kindle, yeah,
0: ah, well, oh, there yeah. you go, giving the money to them, good for you on just yeah, well, out the library you
1: know, <laughs> yeah I, I'm a rich minister, I mean uh, <laughs> may as well spend that money,
0: yeah. So it's called The Apostles' Creed, A Guide to the Ancient Catechism by Ben Myers. And it's in the Lexham Press series, Christian Essentials. It's a good little series. I was using the Ten Commandments book by Peter Lighthart from this series for our little mini-series on the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. I didn't read through it all, but I mean, uh, Peter Lighthart is just absolute gold. Uh, But this is a good series. And Ben Myers is a theologian. I forgot. I looked him up a while ago, but uh, it was published in 2018 again by Lexham. And uh, as he says in the uh, in the preface, this began as a sermon or a series of sermons on the creed at L- Lakeheart. It sounds like he's very reformed It's uh, <laughs> some kind of reformed church in Sydney. So it's a, it's a short book. But mm-hmm. it's that's kind of nice. We can, we can, uh, it, and it's good stuff, uh, in this first section, anyways. I will admit I haven't read the whole thing, Jeremy has, so he can, he can, uh, give us a little foretaste of what is to come in the rest of the book. <laughs> so, uh, to begin, man, this thing is just giving me issues. To begin, uh, I'm gonna read the creed. And then let's start our discussion. And this is weird to say this alone because usually the creed is said together, but it's weird saying things together on this kind of platform. So I'll just read it. (laughs) I believe in God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy ghost, born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. That's why it's a prayer. (laughs) Because at the end it says, Amen. (laughs) There you go. That's something I proposed to my, we were doing a bit of a, a four-week catechism at my church, and mm. when we were talking about prayer, I said, you know, there's something about the Apostles' Creed as a prayer, uh, because we say, oh man, it's not only a uh, a doctrinal statement. <laughs> there's something about... You know, I like that he talks about. He he kind of breaks down this first article. We're going to look at "I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth." And he breaks down every part of that and talks about "I," who is this "I"? And I like that. But it, it's um I don't know. What do you think about that? When I say this is a prayer.
1: You know, I I, I agree with you. I think it is a prayer. Um, certainly, I think it was a. You know, it's it's a confession of faith of of corporate faith. Um, but it's, Hmm. it it is, you know, I I read somewheres, um, a few, few days ago that, uh, St. Augustine, uh, kind of, he instructed, uh, the people that he was writing to, to, to recite this or pray this seven times a day. Uh, was you know part of his instructions. It, it, it's a creed, mm. right? And so just like the Jews would, you know, uh, go with the Shema, um, or you know, Muslims with 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 various uh, creeds of their own. Uh, so too, uh, you know, the early church kind of thought that this, that, you know, in part at least, was was something that all Christians should be reciting and on a daily basis. Mm. Uh, he wasn't alone mm-hmm. in that. I think he was, as far as I know, or as far as I read, he was the only one to recommend it seven times uh, a day. But uh, this is something that, as you said, it, it was, it was really, it was held in high regard by early Christians. And I mean, a lot of them couldn't read; a lot of them wouldn't have had access to, you know, the scriptures, mm-hmm. anyways. And so this is mm-hmm. this is a major litmus test for making sure that you understand what the. The orthodox faith is all about right? mm-hmm. and so if you hear anything contrary to this uh, or the nicene creed um you know that that should should be a, a warning sign to you a red flag
0: yeah yeah he says uh i wrote this book not because anyone needs to be told what to believe but because christ's followers have everything they need already mm-hmm. so uh the Christian faith is mysterious, not because it is so complicated, but because it is so simple. And the creed is quite simple, even though, uh, it's a little controversial, uh, like the way that we might translate it, say, uh, he descended into hell. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, that might be a bit controversial later, but there's just a beautiful simplicity to this. And, uh, and when I say that it's a prayer, it's because we're saying, we're, we're submitting, and this is something he talks about in the book, but he's we're, we're submitting ourselves to something. It's kind of a summation of the scriptures. It's a summation of the story of what God has done, the story of redemption. We're recognizing that this is a historical event, you know, recognizing that, that this took place under the auspices of, uh, of Pontius Pilate, that there was a real woman who gave birth to mm-hmm. the Messiah, to Jesus. So it's really uh it's like a rec- it's almost uh you know if we connected it say to the Lord's Prayer, it's kind of a recognition that that we are we are praying that that this um you know I was just thinking about like that that uh petition in the Lord's prayer uh thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So like the kingdom of God has already been inaugurated and we're really confessing that I think. And we're and prayer isn't always a, an asking for things. It's also a confessing before the face of God, before the throne of God. And, uh, and there's something about the I there where why, why isn't it? We, you know, why, mm-hmm. why wouldn't it be? We believe, but it's, it's the, it's, it's me submitting myself kind of, uh, entering into the great body of believers where we be, we become the eye together. I don't know what, what we, how would you respond to some of that?
1: Yeah, I, I mean,
0: just call I, me a heretic.
1: I, <laughs> well, we all knew that already, Perry. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think you're correct in that, um, I mean, again, I'm, I'm no early church historian or great theologian or anything like that. Um, but y- y- you pointed out that, you know, it's, it's this personal confession, um, essentially, and entering into a corporate faith, where everybody ought to be confessing the same, you know, the th- same set of beliefs, um, mm. you know, this. And, uh, uh, you know, he points out in the book that that the um, the core of this was used at baptisms mm-hmm. in the early church, mm-hmm. um, and so I mean that very much makes sense, right? While well, each individual uh, being baptized has to confess this, you know, uh, uh, you know, throughout the baptismal uh, ritual. I mean, it wasn't quite exactly like this. I think that came into, you know, this, this is. I think, do you guys recite this at baptisms in the Anglican Church? I yes, some churches yes. will recite this. Yeah,
0: so we. It's like a question. In response. So it's like, yes. do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father. So it's kind of that's how it's done at baptism. But uh, normally we say it every Sunday. Mm. So the way that, just <laughs> to be accurate here, in the Book of Common Prayer, which is where I read this, this was from the morning prayer office. So you say it morning and evening prayer. Mm-hmm. In the Eucharistic, in the communion, Service in the BCP, it's the Nicene Creed, hmm. whereas in the newer liturgy, you have the option in the Eucharistic in the Communion service. You either do the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene, hmm. and a lot of times people go with the Apostles because I think it's just shorter and and complicated, <laughs> less technical. Yeah. So um right,
1: and they serve different purposes, right? Those two. Mm-hmm.
0: So, mm-hmm. I mean, he says in here that the Nicene Creed is a. Uh, kind of a development of the yeah. Apostles' Creed, anyways. It's yeah, it's not like it's doing something different. And I like that he argue, he makes the point that it's not something that was just put together by a church council. Of the Apostles' Creed it kind of grew organically.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, and and that's where the uh, you know, the whole uh, he points out that there's this um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? This idea this concept that it was i mean there's 12 lines and so that each of the disciples or the, yeah, each of the right. apostles kind of contributed a line which i mean there's no evidence for that whatsoever but um <laughs> but yeah you're right it's a it's a grassroots type thing this is this is a common i mean i would say a common person's creed but it it, it was something recited by all christians in the early church uh, or at least the vast majority of them the nicene creed was developed like you said out of this but it was more in response to you know arianism so they had mm-hmm. to flesh things out and make it more technical. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So uh when we think about th- when we think about the fact that it kind of uh grew out organically within the church, that sounds to me like there's a there's a tradition mm-hmm. that's been formed from the church that has been handed on to us. And I'm comfortable saying that. I'm comfortable saying that. Uh, there's tradition that we should submit ourselves to uh, not, well, I guess I would, I would probably be a little more comfortable saying if you have, if you can't say this, then uh, maybe you need to rethink a few things about your, (laughs) Mm. about your Christian, about your uh, yeah. About who you are as a Christian. And I, and I wouldn't necessarily say that to people who, who would say, no, let's read. I don't know. I would say, I would probably want to say that to a lot of Christians who might push back on this, especially people who say all, oh, you know, it's the Bible. All I need is the Bible. Mm. So well, how, how would you square this with the, I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah. So I will forgive you if you don't have an answer, but how would you square this with that? The idea of Sola Scriptura, the, the, the creed. And the, and the importance of the creed.
1: Right. Uh, so, I, first of all, nothing in the creed itself. In my understanding, is contrary to anything that mm-hmm. I would declare as Sola Scriptura. Um, I have been doing more, you know, reading, listening um, kind of research into church tradition. And, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a much healthier appreciation for it now than I did a year ago um because i mean for the first you know roughly four centuries there wasn't a unified you know uh unanimous canon of the new testament even um mm. so i mean the vast majority of early believers i guess all of early believers really did rely on church tradition being passed down from you know bishop to bishop and, and so on and so forth uh, um you know they, they, they relied on that i'm not saying that you know you know the commonly held belief that you know Constantine and the Council of Nicaea just kind of you know, randomly selected all these books, and, and well, that's the New <laughs> Testament. No, they they were recognized prior to that. It was just that they were officially right. You know uh, exactly. Yeah, but um, yeah. So so anyways, uh, the so I don't have any problems squaring it away with sola scriptura, um, and mm. and nor would a lot of uh protestant churches that would hold the soul of scripture i mean the anglican church traditionally is held to that i believe Presbyterian yes uh, well and they would rec-
0: not not to the not to the that phrase but no but essentially to the to the idea that
1: to the idea of it that's what yeah I mean. but yeah They would have no problems reciting the apostles creed
0: right um, well and i'm not uh, i'm not trying to pit i guess i was pitting them against each other for the sake of the question but You know, I think there's the there's the common misunderstanding that if there's any if there's any belief in a tradition as a a good, that then you're saying that that's more important than scripture. Hmm. Uh, But I'm I'm saying that that or I believe that that this creed and there's and there's all sorts of other good tradition, but particularly the creed that come. And I think he says this in the in the introduction that it's a guide it's like uh it's a it's a really really helpful guide mm-hmm. to reading and interpreting the scriptures to keep you within the uh within the orthodox catholic understanding of scripture within the within the the way that the church has always read scripture like the way that we read scripture is in itself tradition you know like he mentions some of these early heretics Heresies mm-hmm. like Marcionism, Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can read the Bible on your own and come up with all. Like it's not just you read the Bible and you're gonna necessarily come to the conclusion that everybody, you know it. You're not gonna necessarily come to an orthodox conclusion <laughs> mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, you, we read the scriptures in community.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, and I'm not trying to pit that against sola scriptura. I'm just saying that even that is a tradition. I don't know. This is maybe we don't even need to be talking about this, but I think it is somewhat important to maybe wrestle with those kind of questions about tradition and, and how that, and, and so to say that the way that we interpret scripture even is tradition. I'm not saying that that's, you know, we're not trying to shove things into, into the scriptures, what there's, what they're not saying. We're not, pitting our tradition against scripture i believe in the reformation i believe in <laughs> mm-hmm. in uh always bringing ourselves back to the scriptures and i think that it's that this creed and the nicene creed that are really helpful guide in bringing us back to the scripture
1: yes yeah no i, I agree i think that um
0: well, I, then we're I, I done think a lot of people
1: <laughs> Well, yeah, there we go. Yeah. I think a lot of people do straw man it, right? They, they mm-hmm. they try and set up this dilemma of it's either tradition or soulless scripture or whatever the case may be. And it's it, that that's mm-hmm. obviously not the case. Um, certainly there's times, and I mean, you can find this kind of traditional, if you're just talking tradition in general, um, you know, a lot of Baptists would follow, you know, the 1689 confession of faith, right? I mean, th- they hold to that, you know, pretty strongly. They wouldn't say that they hold to it you know unswervingly or inherently you know in comparison to solar scripture but i don't see anything different you know if you're holding to the various confessions of faith uh, that your your denomination hold to how that would be any different than you know holding to a, a early church creed at that right like the apostles creed or the nicene creed uh which i think hold precedence over you know confessions of faith from mm. the 16th century 17th century um mm. That's mm. just my personal opinion. Mm. Uh, I also mm-hmm. think that, you know, a lot of churches that would say that, I and mean, there are, I mean, I'm part of a church that, that would probably, you know, uh, in terms of the conference, reject a lot of creeds, right? We don't mm. hold a lot of creeds. Um, and yet, so, so, I mean, in some ways, people think that they're just rejecting tradition. I've heard that, you know, numerous times, not only within, you know, our mm. conference, but, you know, in general, I grew up kind of low church, evangelical and so but at the same time they hold to as you said various traditions well we've always done it like this (laughs) so um, they just place their own traditions that go back you know maybe 50 years um and they hold to those pretty strongly Uh, so i think Mm -hmm. that there needs to be this recalibration in in those kinds of churches to understand that there's traditions that we can trace back to the very early church um in terms of you know confessions of faith that are very important for us to to know and understand because as you say they do keep us within the confines of orthodoxy hmm. um, you know when we when we not only recite them but when we actually believe in them
0: hmm. yeah uh i was thinking about when we were preparing for this episode there's this uh really good free magazine from the evangelical fellowship of canada called faith today do you get that?
1: We don't get that here, but I remember mm-hmm. I grew up in E-Free Church, right? Um and so we yeah, I remember seeing that magazine.
0: I don't think it's the E-f- it's the evangelical fellowship. Yes. Or what is E-Free?
1: Evangelical Free. But but they were oh. so closely associated. So we we would get Oh, I see. It was Okay. White, right? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and 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 at Nippon Bible College, right? That's not oh, the yeah. place we got uh, that magazine. So
0: it's like Maybe the Canadian well. uh, Christianity Today. It's really, yeah, beef, beef. Uh, it's a really good magazine for free. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm saying for our listeners, you should get a copy of this because it has some good stuff. But there's an article in here for this month called "Why Aren't Canadians Listening to Christian Leaders: The Changing Cultural Current?" And uh, I didn't get to dig into it because I just remember right before we recorded that I saw this and I had skimmed it, but. I thought this might be an interesting thing to think about in regards to the creed, especially when he talks about in here, believe the word, believe, I believe mm. um, there's something about the creed where we are, we, where the church is saying, here's a helpful way. Here's a helpful rule of life. I think he uses that, uh, that phrase. Here's a helpful way for you to say, Despite everything in the world, despite everything I might believe, I am submitting myself to what the church long ago, those who have inherited the deposit of the apostles, I am submitting myself to this, despite everything that's going on. And uh, so they just, uh, I think I must have misread, I thought they meant Christians, but I think just Canadians in general are no longer listening to uh, to Christian leaders. But I also think there's a lot of uh, <laughs> Christians who, you know, we are our own Pope. Uh, I think that's sadly one of the, I'll say it, that's sadly one of the, uh, the realities of the Reformation is that we all <laughs> have become our own authority. And so there's... Um, so i think the creed can help us create that sense of the church the church in general having a sense of authority over us like that is just really a hard thing and he does talk about uh oh almighty yeah i think that might be uh, something to talk about here too like Mm -hmm. that god is the god is almighty i mean i'm not saying yes let's submit to the church for the sake of the church it's because of the authority that the church has received from God, like it's 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 uh, the the place where divine revelation has been given, and uh, this is. But it's so hard to talk about the authority of the church, uh, because we just have like what what where do we get the authority of the church? Who keeps who holds that all together? And maybe that's something worth discussing later on when we talk about the Holy Catholic Church later at the I, end I of the day. I was just creed. going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so i think uh,
1: think that's a relevant discussion certainly for that yeah
0: so let's uh come back to that then later on if i remember (laughs) um but believe uh anything you want to say about that uh that word i believe
1: right so there's i mean there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can interpret believe i mean or faith or trust you know all these words kind of get thrown together and, and hmm. used in the same way. But uh, I, I think hmm. that some, hmm. some nuances, yeah. some nuances is, is necessary there. Uh, a lot of people um, would say believe is, you know, just this, this, um, you're just mentally agreeing with something, right? Hmm. So like, you know, what do you believe in Santa Claus? Do you not believe in Santa Claus or, or whatever the case may be? Right? Do I believe that I'm going to get a paycheck at the end of this month? Uh, so on and so forth. Right. And and so you know, there's this mental um, component to it, but there's also this active, uh, active component to believe as well. Because you can believe hmm. in something, you can say that you believe hmm. in something. Right? I, I believe in you know whatever the case may be. But if you're not acting on that belief, then I question hmm. whether you actually believe it. Um, so. Right, I mean, it, it, it gets tricky, but, right, if I actually believe in the gospel, right, it's going to propel me to act in certain ways, to think and, and behave in certain ways, to, you know, go out and do stuff, um, to actually live, you know, not just walk the walk, but talk, or not mm-hmm. just talk the talk, but walk the walk, right? Um, and, and so that that's a something that, you know, needs to be said. You know, believe is not just... Yes, I, I mentally agree with this, but it's not making any difference in my life. When you're saying mm. I believe, it means that mm. yes, I believe this, and it's you know it's something that I'm living out. Mm. Um, you know, I think that again, faith is is a little bit different. Obedience, loyalty, allegiance, right? All these things that they mean slightly different things, but you can find those concepts within the pages, of scripture, mm. um, and so. You know, it, it's not just that the early. Uh, You know uh, church the apostles were saying well i believe you know that jesus christ is 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 king it's like yeah i believe it and now i've sworn loyalty to jesus christ as king right and they were willing Hmm. to die for that right yeah um,
0: absolutely yeah right
1: and 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 they were unwilling to change the way that they were living right even under direct persecution Hmm. right if you just mentally ascribe to those things Right. But it's not making any difference how you live. Yeah, of course, you can mm. be like, OK, well, I'm not going to go to church anymore, but I'm still going to believe these things in my mind. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But they were like, yeah, I believe this and I'm not going to stop going to church and, and fellowshipping, with, or, I mean, fellowshipping with fellow believers and stuff like that. Right. I'm not, mm. not I'm not willing to do that. Um, and, mm. and so there's this this correlation between. This this, you know, mental agreeing agreeing with it and and this. Uh, active participation
0: yeah that is really good to point out especially when you think about this being a uh, uh the confession of, well we we call it the confession of faith and something that was said during uh before baptism mm-hmm. you're renouncing you're essentially by implication renouncing everything else mm-hmm. and saying i am By, and then entering the water and entering naked. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, exactly.
0: Entering the, entering the water, you, you come with nothing. You receive something new. You're, you're going into the water and immersing yourself in this totally new belief system and way of life. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he mentions that these are the words of baptism. You're being baptized into this. Yes. Uh, It's not, it's not an amorphous thing. Like. Uh, you're you 're actually committing yourself to to something here yeah. and and then when you say these words you 're reminding yourself, and the reason I forgot to say this when I was talking about this being a prayer is that I think they could go back to is it Jesus the centurion when when they when when the centurion somebody says to jesus, "I believe, help my unbelief."
1: Oh, that's, that's the man with the, his son, the demon possessed son.
0: I right. Believe. There's something, or even when Peter is on the boat and he sees Jesus coming mm-hmm. toward him on the water, it says, or, 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 no, I'm getting my things mixed up when he says, I believe that you are the son of the living God. Does mm-hmm. Peter say that right before the transfiguration?
1: Just, just before the transfiguration. And yeah.
0: But and anyways, that Matthew, prayer. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, no, I was just going to say that that, prayer... that's,
1: that's where the whole Peter is, as uh, you know, uh, your name is Peter and, and on this rock, I will build my church, right? That's the whole non-controversial passage at all within, within <laughs> the Bible, but that, that's at the same time, right? And then the transfiguration happens just after that. Also, sorry to cut you off. Uh, no just, you made a comment about entering the water naked. And I feel like we should, you know, in case some of your listeners are maybe a little bit unfamiliar with that, the early church practiced baptism naked, right? You would, you would strip off no, the not clothes and you would enter church. the water. Just kidding, just the... <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's what that's what the whole yes, was, which is a great Good showing of. Um, I mean, to talk about being stripped down to. Nothing, yeah. right? I mean, this this was a, a like you say a, a total rejection of of your previous way of life, and most of these people were coming out of well, either Judaism um, and entering the fullness of, of the church, or paganism, where they had to renounce these things. Uh, exorcisms were yep. pretty common uh, as a part of baptism, right? You were renouncing Satan. Um, the early mm-hmm. church viewed baptism as a as a as a you know way of doing spiritual warfare, really
0: yeah yeah quite significant yeah exactly yeah yeah they would uh i think they would do an exorcism yes like i think three times they would uh the bishop i think would do that exercise or exercise the demon or the you know do an exorcism on the on the catechumens as an aside somebody uh, i think it was michael knowles said this on probably one of those many catholic podcasts i listen to uh not that i listen to that many anymore uh he made the comment that less and less people are getting baptized even as infants like less and less people are going to church and less and less people are getting baptized and why do we see the crap that's going on in society he he said there's a lot more demons walking around probably and i thought whoa that actually is something really worth thinking about (laughs) I'm sure. Uh, Yeah. I
1: mean, can't argue correlation equals causation quite so strongly, but I, I, you know, I think that
0: it's certainly a
1: possibility, right? I mean, well, certainly with less people going to church. Um, and, and yeah, yeah. With, I think with modern stern thought, you know, individualistic thought, I think that there's this supermarket spirituality mindset where you can kind of just pick and choose Mm -hmm. what you want to believe and practice. And again, I think this creed, Flies in the face of that, right? It makes people uncomfortable in some ways, mm-hmm. uh, you know, reciting creeds and yeah. uh, and I think baptism is attached to that. It's it's something that a lot of people don't want to go through. Yeah, and uh, I think that's very exactly very sad.
0: Have you heard of the Sparkle Creed?
1: Oh, I listened to that and I I could barely make it through. Um, but then again, right? So you have creeds are not simply these, you know, conservative Christian or conservative religious, you know, phenomenon. right? Creeds are part of, you know, everyday life. I mean, you, you could argue that uh, if you're marketing beer or something, you have some kind of a motto, right? And and that motto becomes your creed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Nike's creed is just do it, right? Or whatever the case
0: may be. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the Spark of Creed. It's um, I'm trying to find it. It's hard to find the words to it. I do not want to listen to it again. I've listened to yeah, it twice, and it was hard. Don't make me, do it me it listen hard. to it again. Yeah, uh, I
1: don't even want to tell people where to find it. Um, although I'm sure that I believe
0: in the Rainbow Spirit. <laughs> oh, here we go. <clears throat> I I believe in the... <laughs> I believe in the non-binary. <laughs> whose pronouns are plural see okay let's stop i believe there. i don't believe i don't believe in this <laughs> but
1: let's stop right there i that the, that whole sparkle creed nonsense i don't even know where that started or why um well i know why but i don't anyways uh it's that inclusive whole, i know it's idiotic though um the apostle's and, and her, creed
0: is inclusive
1: well, yeah, and this this Sparkle Creed is it's it's just deeply heretical in every way, fashionable. Uh, but that whole whose pronouns are you know not and the non non binary God, right? That exactly contradicts the beginning of the Apostles Creed, right, where it talks about you know I believe in God the Father. Yeah, um, which I mean I, I get it. Right? That's that's going to be controversial to some people. Um, yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, i I I mean I can I can sympathize with some of it, right if you've had a very poor father figure or an absent father figure, right I mean this I can understand how that's that you know hmm. can get a little bit uncomfortable for some people. Uh, but I think our culture has largely painted fathers as you know this this power figure to be toppled. Um, hmm. Right. Most, most television shows paint the father as being an idiot, a bumbling idiot, or some abusive type person. Right. I mean, very few TV shows ever paint fathers as a positive mm-hmm. uh, influence.
0: Yeah. And that's yeah. not at
1: all the, the way that, you know, Christianity operates. Right. God mm-hmm. the Father is the complete antithesis of this. He is wholly loving, right. And, and forgiving and merciful. Right, and and that's what we're proclaiming, right? And then just to take a shot at those other people who say God is non binary, right? Well, are you, you know, they're just ignoring God's preferred per pronouns here as uh, he/him. <laughs> so, that's how he yeah, I uh... to
0: us. exactly as uh, he's revealed himself in the male with the male with male pronouns, but obviously he transcends gender since like, it's just it's just so obvious because yeah if we're made in the image if if male and female is the image of god then obviously he's both and neither <laughs> yeah oh, um, absolutely yeah 100%. so I'm glad that he brings that up I'm glad that he mm-hmm. discusses that because that I think oh we can't just stop at yeah you may have had issues with fathers, so this might be hard for you to hear therefore go- you know you can dis- despite the bad relationship you've had with your father i to- you know i totally empathize not necessarily sympathize but oh no I, I sympathize i mean i totally sympathize and uh but God is bigger than that. God is a greater father figure than that. Uh he he is also a motherly figure. But yeah, even Jesus takes on some motherly quote like he says I I want to bring you in like uh doesn't he talk about like I want to bring you in like my brood like the mother yeah, hen. The like mother hen, yeah. Yeah. So um I I really appreciate that he brings that out, but also to say that Jesus or God, the God of the father is a father because Jesus is the son. Yes, And there's that, 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 uh, Trinitarian, uh, relationship there. Yeah. And, uh, um, and to think about the fact that like you say, he's benevolent, Mm -hmm. uh, and, this was one of the things that distinguished Christian belief from ancient pagan ideas about the gods. The fact Mm -hmm. that the Bible uses the word father without any connotations of gender. He says that early Christians took great pains to demonstrate, to show that. And, uh, and that this distinguished Christian belief from ancient pagan ideas about the gods, because you had Zeus, you had all these crazy gods who are just, nuts and mm-hmm. uh and yet they're you know they're gendered they have they have you know they procreate they uh but but God is beyond that God is transcendent from from even gender. Yes. Yeah. Or or gender is I mean all this language it's it's uh like Drew and I like to joke, it's tricky language. Uh <laughs> but I mean that's the reality of Christian theology. These first uh, Christian uh, writers and theologians, like I've been working a bit through Maximus the Confessor, and his uh, work. Uh, it's like a, it's called uh, on the Cosmic Christ or something. And you know that it, that was what we looked at at that that uh, conference I was at at the end of May was this theology of like um, that God is not. Like God is not this, but this is where we, you know, it's kind of all paradoxical. It's all mysterious. Uh, but um, anyways, that has nothing to do with God as Father. <laughs> that, But they were careful to differentiate the God of the gospel from the gods of Greek and Roman culture. The pagan gods are many, but the God of Israel is one. mm mm-hmm. So as he says, the true God totally transcends God and the body. There was a book I read this spring called Women and the Gender of God. And I need to reread it because I really did not understand the argument that this scholar was trying. It just came out last year. It's like a big thing last year. Came out from Erdman's written by Amy Peeler, who is a professor at Wheaton, New Testament professor. She talked a lot about Mary, which was actually really good. It was I thought that was good stuff you know that that god didn't uh didn't like commit i don't even like to say this but god didn't commit you know like cosmic rape or sexual assault on mary like it was very synergistic and uh, yeah good point (laughs) yeah it's a really good point so i still don't understand the argument that she was trying to make in regards to the gender of god but uh it seemed like she was um, trying to say that, you know, since women are created by God, they're equal in the eyes of God. They have value. They have meaning. And I'm thinking in this day and age, do we really have to say that? <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's I, guess I guess it's a controversial thing to say at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I need to go back to it and, and see, okay, what what is, you know, what? discussion is she entering into like there's something going on in the u.s it's like this whole debate about Mm. women in ministry that's a huge thing going on in the southern baptist convention and in all these evangelical do not like it's it's a huge thing right now is uh uh you know what do we do with the women (laughs) Mm. and so i think that's what she's trying to show is that if uh if God is beyond gender then women deserve a place at the table, which I don't mm-hmm. see why that would be such a crazy argument to make. But anyways, uh any thoughts on any of that?
1: Uh no, not necessarily. I mean again the father thing is this is who the first person of the Triune Godhead is, right? Mm. And, and has been. Um and, and you see those references uh, less frequently, perhaps, but you still see them in the Old Testament, right? Um, you know, the, the Judaism, you know, viewed God as as Father as well, uh, not mm-hmm. quite to the degree that Christians do, mm-hmm. uh, but it was mm-hmm. certainly still found in their in their writings. I mean, we have it in the in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, um, and again, that you know, flew in the face of of any of those ancient Near Eastern um, texts as well. Right, their mythologies about who their gods were, right? They did not have a, he- a loving heavenly father, right? These were uh, gods who were, you know, distant and aloof and, uh, you know, could be manipulated or they would manipulate you, right? I mean, they were not, they were not good people, right? And this mm-hmm. is not the concept of, of God to Christians. And I mean, that following line, uh, you know, following up the the father, um you have, you know, creator, uh, and, and almighty, right. Creator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, those two concepts, right. Again, right from the first pages or first page of Genesis, right. You have God creating everything uh, out of nothing. Uh, again, a, a foreign concept in ancient near Eastern literature. Um, and there was always a power struggle. There was always, you know, in terms of their mythologies, there was always like this succession myth where the mm. son would overthrow his father and take the throne. Um, you don't have mm. that in mm. in the Judeo Christian worldview, right? Instead mm-hmm. it says that God is almighty and I know you wanted to get to that, right? It's not just that God is mighty. He is almighty, right? Like he has mm-hmm. all the might, right? You you can't overthrow him. Right. And, and the son, you know, is part of that triune Godhead, right? There is no succession myth right they they are one in terms of their will and so th- there's this it, it, again it, it's dramatically different than what any other ancient religion held to right and and uh i think that's part of the beauty of it and i think that's honestly you know part of the the thing that helped the church grow i mean it flew in the face mm-hmm. of all these pagan myths and uh so it's very easy to differentiate it
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, he talks about Almighty not being a, an oppressive power. Like, you know, yes. he talks about how we're cynical of power. I mean, that is the that is the postmodern narrative, mm-hmm. is that everybody wants power, and power is bad. Uh, but the people who think that power is bad want power to do good. <laughs> well, yeah, it's,
1: it's the deep irony, right? Uh, many of yeah. the organizations that are built to dismantle you know hierarchical scope oh, that i butchered that but anyway structures and and uh and uh to overthrow these powerful figures in and of themselves become powerful and think themselves above the law right or or they take liberties with stuff right i mean there's no mm. sort of corruption and fraud and stuff found within many of these organizations and, mm. uh, and that's so that's honestly the view of of power in many of our uh, experiences, but that is not, as you said, and as as, yeah. uh, as as the author points out, that is not the concept of of power for God
0: hmm. of of His might. Yeah, when I yeah exactly, it's not about control. It's yeah, about... he he, he, it he says. This. Go ahead.
1: Oh, sorry. uh he, he writes true power is not the ability to control this is probably what you were going to read. Controlling behavior is a sign of yeah. and insecurity. True power hmm. is the ability to love and, and enable without reserve. Hmm. I thought that was a really, really good couple lines.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then in the creed, we confess the three great movements of God's power. God lovingly brought the world into being. God lovingly entered the womb and became part of the world in Jesus Christ. And God, the Holy spirit is lovingly transfiguring the world in the lives of the saints. Oh, that is Mm. so good. Mm. Oh man. I love that. To think about it as a, as a, I hate the cliche. It's a love letter from God.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, but he says God's sovereignty is what secures human freedom, not what threatens it. Mm-hmm. And that totally turns on its head. The ideas of today that anything that is not you is trying to encroach on your sovereignty and your autonomy and you have to protect your autonomy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's build a wall. Uh <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Anyways. uh,
1: Well, and and bodily autonomy, right? Yeah,
0: that's really what I meant more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Exactly. Like, the love of God is really, the heart of the love of God is self-giving. The love of God is is him pouring himself out for the sake of the world. And uh, when we think about that, that's dangerous when we Mm -hmm. recite this then. Because that means... That, that 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 has uh, implications on what i do <laughs> yeah
1: well there's a death to self uh aspect uh for the apostles creed for sure mm-hmm. right it is it is uh, as you recite it is an act of submission
0: uh, mm-hmm. to god it's interesting though that there's really no ethical imperatives in it or like i believe in the uh I believe in the caring of widows and orphans. Like it doesn't say anything like that. So,
1: yeah, that would have Mm. been, that would have been probably expanded upon. Right. I mean, if this is, if Mm -hmm, they're trying mm -hmm. to keep it short and easily, easily prayable, as you would have pointed out, right. This was uh, something that, that was encouraged that all Christians Mm. pray. Then, then you want to keep it short, right. You can't have it too elaborate. Those are things that would have been expanded upon through teaching
0: yeah yeah
1: um and and lived out and i think those things were more just certainly within jewish circles they were more just lived out right they were expected of you um, to care for orphans right that that's a concept that goes back into the hebrew scriptures
0: Hmm. well i want to read something from the 39 articles of religion in the at the back of the prayer book so this kind of reflects reformational thinking but I thought this might be interesting to think about in regards to God, the father almighty. So it's, this is article one of faith in the Holy Trinity. There is but one living and true God everlasting without body parts or passions of infinite power, wisdom and goodness, the maker and preserver of all things, both visible and invisible. And in unity of this Godhead, there be three persons of what substance power and eternity, the Father, of the son and the Holy ghost. Yeah, that's a really good summation of the Trinitarian theology there. But what I wanted to highlight was this one living and true God, everlasting, without body, parts, or passions. So essentially, or maybe in a different way, he is immovable. Uh, and that, you know, again, using that language, that 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 phrase negative theology God is not God does not have emotions mm-hmm. so it sounds like he's a stoic uh, when we talk about him being almighty you know he's just or the, the maker of heaven and earth is he just sitting out there? no what we see in the rest of the creed is that even though he's without emotion and even though he's the creator of emotion but he's beyond emotion he enters into it. You know, he's not a stoic determinist.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not, it's not deistic, right? Which is, this is exactly what deism holds, right? God created everything, you know, wound it up and then sat back and watched. Right? He, he doesn't, he doesn't enter his creation. While that's, that, that is not at all, you know, what Christianity and the creed, you know, proudly proclaim, um, right? Their whole thing is built upon this personal, knowable God who has entered mm. creation. Hmm. Um, and 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 you know can relate to us in our sufferings and temptations,
0: yeah, yeah, so when we talk about him without passions, I think we I think it means that uh nothing nothing has power over him, nothing affects him like like things affect us mm-hmm. because he is sovereign, he is able to to not be. Like we are changing, we are not static, uh, but God is, and yet He chooses to. But he, he allows Himself to be affected by the things of the world. Like the fact that Jesus now is a human and He has holes in His hands and His side, <laughs> uh, we can still declare that God is without passion because uh, God has not changed in His character. But uh, has but has decided to enter into these things, and even it decided to to show, you know, like in uh, in Genesis and maybe a lot of the Old Testament, you know, like it says the hand of God, the back of God. Well, mm-hmm. I thought he didn't have a body or parts, <laughs> but he enters into those kind of things. Because that's the weird thing to me is that if we're the image of God. And we have a physical body, but God doesn't. So, what was the basis for our physical body? <laughs> you know, I think that's yeah, a bit of a conundrum. That's a different.
1: Diff, that's a different topic. You know, uh, which.
0: Yeah, we got time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Well, the image of God, right? Like, what is the image of God, right? Well, it's not. It's not a physical representation. But again, you just pointed out God does not have a body, uh, in the sense that we have bodies. Uh, mm. You know. Certainly not in any material sense, um, because that would make material eternal as well. And this is something that we as as Christians, you know, deny, you know, the material world is not eternal. It is created by God. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that there's something to be said about that. Now, you know, what was the inspiration for God to make our bodies like this? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, you know, we can't, we can't know that, but um hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, the 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 whole you know figures of speech about you know the the arm of God, the hands of God, and you know the the smell of the uh, the sacrifices, you know, pleasing to His nostrils or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, these are these are ways that we then you know figures of speech so that we can understand a little bit more uh, about how this, yeah. this relates to God.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to say about God is maker of heaven and earth?
1: Um, no, not necessarily. I, I, again, I think that this flies, I mean, he points out in his, in, in, in that chapter or that section of, of his book, you know, uh, how this kind of flew in the face of Gnosticism, hmm. um, how, how the Gnostics, you know, viewed the physical, the material as evil. Right. And as created by some evil, you know, God, you know, the, the God, of the Old Testament was different than the God of the New Testament. You know, this kind of Martian idea and the Gnostics viewed then everything physical as this kind of evil thing to be avoided. And I mean, again, right from page one in Genesis, right? You no, know, it's, it's odd, the same God that you find in the New Testament, yeah. right? This triune God who creates all yes. this and declares it to be good. Yeah, be very good. Right. Hmm. And so material is not, you know, it's not something to be hated or, you know, to be necessarily avoided. I think that certainly the danger in in Western society today is we become so obsessed with the the material things that we neglect the spiritual things. Right. So it's, it's become inverted from Gnosticism in that way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Absolutely.
1: But you know, but they, they go walk, they walk hand in hand. I mean, that's, you know, I, what does... that, that's how God created this world to be. Well, like the physical and the spiritual, mm-hmm. right. Um, like they, there's just as much of physical reality as there's a spiritual reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it, you know, we need to pay attention to that. So just, yeah, God created, you know, the heavens and the earth, mm-hmm. right. That means he created everything that was, that's, that's an ancient expression. I mean, they didn't have a word for universe, but, this is how they would ex- explain it, right? The heavens and the earth. Um, and so that kind of, again, just rejects any Gnostic ideas about the physical being being bad,
0: hmm. evil. And you
1: find this in, in, in cults today, right? And hmm. certainly some religions that the physical is still something to be avoided, right? Buddhism is oh. oh, escaping, yeah. escaping the physical, right? And, and you know, well, suffering isn't really real, right? And you want to become one hmm. with, the, you know, this nirvana kind of thing. Um, you know that there's this rejection of the physical as being mm. really real. And it's like, well, no, the physical is pretty real. Uh, you know, yeah. if I punched you in the face, you'd feel it. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, again, we as I mean, certainly, I I I have this problem. You know, I just don't think about the spiritual, right? Mm. I'm not, you know keenly aware of it and and, you know the the impact that my life makes in the spiritual realm all right so they both walk hand in hand and i think the the creed kind of gets to that Hmm. uh, throughout it
0: Hmm. yeah i think the nicene creed is more explicit about uh god being the creator of all things visible and invisible yes kind of a uh uh um elaborates a bit on what the apostles creed is saying yeah to say that uh that everything everything (laughs) is divinely made yeah i like Mm -hmm. what you said i was thinking about that our society is very gnostic but also very material because Mm -hmm. there's a major major push toward fighting climate change and i believe in fighting climate change but Uh, it's almost turned into, uh, you know, uh, idol, idol, idolatry almost. But I think it's, uh, oh yeah, but I think it's also a reminder that, yeah, we should be, the creed is a reminder that we should be taking care of creation as much as possible, as much as Mm -hmm. we can. And, uh, and also the fact that the body that you've been given is a gift from God. And, you don't have to change it to, to reflect some kind of Gnostic understanding of yourself, some kind of fluid Gnostic understanding. Like there's that very much that interconnectedness of Gnosticism and materialism in our, in our day and age. Like, uh, and even you could think about the uh, abortion topic too, like everything, yes. everything that God has made is that God has made is good. And that doesn't mean there aren't, there isn't a hierarchy of value attached to creation. And it's just been totally flipped where, where it's the, it's like nature that has become the top of the hierarchy rather than human, human beings. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I guess that goes to show what, what, uh, what is worshipped is, uh, is nature. Yeah, the rather creation, than not, uh, not the creator yeah rather than the creator so oh i've been listening to too much jordan peterson when i'm talking about hierarchy <laughs> of value uh, yeah,
1: but it's really helpful actually well it, it is and 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 part of you know part of the pl certainly of jesus throughout the gospels he inverts those hierarchies right he inverts hmm. those societal structures hmm. right um societal norms and really gets people thinking um you know And again, I just think that, you know, it's in our nature as sinful human beings to twist what God has made good, right? Mm. And, you know, actively the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, certainly as Christians, at least Mm. we hope it is, to be, you know, untwisting those things and, and, you know, redeeming and restoring those those proper structures and values.
0: Ooh, Christianity is about reversing the... (laughs) idolatrous hierarchies
1: well yeah you yeah you could say it like that yeah i mean (laughs) there's well i think of it. christ came to you know undo the curse right i mean Mm -hmm. we were under you know sin and satan and death and and you know christ has you know actively uh, you know undone that he defeated death by death right he Mm -hmm. has snatched the power away from from satan and uh, uh right and he frees us from our sinful natures right Mm -hmm. this is part of the active work of the holy spirit the sanctification process in our lives this is and it's it's ongoing right and part of the church's role is to be active in that work in restoring all things Mm -hmm. to god for his glory and this extends to you know as you pointed out physical creation as well something that i think the church has sadly neglected for many many years um Mm You know, and, and part of that's with ourselves. I mean, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I mean, people generally, again, in the West, uh, thinking North America in, in particular, they don't take care of their physical selves very well, oh. right? And oh. and Chris, yeah, yeah, here's looking at you. Uh,
0: <laughs> I think we'll wrap it up there. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Uh, but
1: but honestly, I mean, right? We, again, sometimes we elevate you know, again, we don't hold this dichotomy, uh, you know, of, of the spiritual and the physical hand in hand, mm. right? Some people are like, well, only the spiritual matters anyway. So I'm not going to take care of my physical body, right? Or th- this mm. is the way that they live their lives. And again, I, this comes back to what you actually believe, right? Mm. Do you believe that your physical body is, you know, is valuable to God? Well, I think so. Um, but a lot of people don't act upon that belief, which then to me demonstrates that, well, maybe you don't actually believe that. Right? Mm-hmm. So we're perfectly content to mistreat our physical bodies, you know, by, you know, malnourishment through all sorts of junk that we eat or whatever the case may be, not sleeping properly, uh, not you know, what whatever. And I'm guilty of this too. But I think that's important, right? That's part of mm-hmm. God's creation. And he expects us to maintain and take care of that as well. Hmm. Yeah. Right? Not to make point. it a God,
0: but. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Very good point. I'm the, I'm the judgy one here. So I need some judgment too.
1: Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> Feel my wrath and confusion.
0: Pastor Jeremy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. That's just me.
0: <laughs> you know, on Sunday, I, uh, I was talking about uh, just a little point about in the, in the, in the reading, it was talking about Jesus sending out the disciples mm. and that's where we get the word apostle. From. Mm. It's to send like that word apostolo. Uh, it's to send or uh, and uh, <clears throat> so I was saying that uh, because thinking about the Apostles Creed, it's really a summation of that apostolic deposit what the Apostles have handed on to us. And I said, the Apostolic Church is not concerned with tackling climate change or creating another task force that was a more of a niche thing. Uh, but uh, you know that that can become what we focus on, what we think is the gospel, or the, a lot of those things. But really, this is the apostolic faith here in the creed. This is really the summation of the gospel that God is King, God is sovereign, Jesus is Lord, and the Holy Spirit is Lord. Yeah, <laughs> and. Like he says, that's so simple. There's nothing deeper. Like there's no mystery that we have to try and comprehend. It's really, and I believe that we go deeper in understanding and knowledge. But that doesn't mean we're attaining to some kind of greater knowledge in in which we are saved. I don't know if people believe that, but I thought that was a good point to make that really at the heart of it. Our faith is really not that complicated we might I think we could just complicate it <laughs> there are some confusing oh, things in the scriptures but really the heart of Christianity is profoundly simple it's the beating heart of God for the world mm-hmm. and we see that I love that he says that uh, in the Creed we confess the three great movements of God's power God lovingly brought the world into being God lovingly entered the womb god god the holy spirit is lovingly transfiguring the world that's so good so when you Mm -hmm. preach on this jeremy is that how you're going to go about it
1: lovingly uh
0: i'll
1: try no but it is a good reminder Hmm.
0: do you think you would do a sermon series on the apostles creed
1: i think so I, i i think it would be valuable um you know, particularly in a church or a, you know a church as part of a conference that has neglected creeds historically, hmm. um, you know, I think it's it's helpful as a reminder that hey, listen, this is the face that or the faith that we profess, and this has hmm. you know been something that has been professed since the early days of the church, right? Uh, these ideas are not our own, right? And and there's a global body of believers that you know. They confess the same thing um certainly i think that that this book you know i've read through it all I, I you know i read it rather fast so i'll have to go back and revisit stuff for next week but but i i, I do think that there's certainly many valuable things that i i i want to implement you know from this creed into my mm. daily lives or daily mm. life i'm not a cat i don't have lives um but <laughs> that was a bad one. I'm sorry. Anyways, (laughs) but you know, like even even regarding baptisms uh, that Mm. that I might carry out, right? I mean, you know, Mm. I think that it's important to maybe go back to some of these earlier, you know, know, professions as part of baptism. Mm. Right? I'm not just gonna go drag somebody down to the river and toss them in, uh, and you know, call it call it good. You know, I think that that and and yeah, I think that there's a lot of important elements from this Apostles' Creed that, that I need to make sure that I'm living out in a daily uh, hmm. daily manner as well.
0: Hmm. Oh, it's a good challenge. Something to think about as we'll continue thinking about for the next two weeks, I guess.
1: Are we, are we tackling the whole next section in one go? Well... That's a longer section, Perry. Let's the third see one how. Can do in one.
0: Let's see how we go. Let's see how we can do this. Yeah, we might have to chop that up. Yeah, into two. we'll see. Or just do a three-hour episode. It'll oh, be a first—a first for the Pondercast. Well, there we go.
1: <laughs> that one day that me and you recorded—that first time that I was on your pond—the uh, the oh yeah, in my office—that was a long because we did two episodes. Like that was. Yeah, when we recorded it too. It was yeah, three hours. That was probably about three hours.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: we took a break, I think, but.
0: Yeah, we went and got those oh, yeah. yummy burgers from yes. Ruby's. Lin's. Lint <laughs> Ruby's? This is Ruby Beach.
1: Again. Yes. Yeah. Ruby Lake. Yeah. <sighs> Well there's there's so a beach at Ruby Lake. It's, maybe they call it Ruby Beach, I don't know, but it's Lynn's Drive-in. Yeah.
0: Is that Lynn's still open?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, they actually good. added onto it since you were there. They they have a nice uh covered in screen.
0: Uh, oh yeah, porch, I have seen that. Porchery. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's delicious.
0: There we go. Hoping to come up there in the summer. but oh, We'll see. that'd be great. I don't think you'll be there when I'm coming, though. <laughs> oh,
1: right. Yeah, I'll be at Stony Lake. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Jeremy. And thank you, listeners, those few of you who are still listening at this point. You're troopers. You deserve all the rewards in heaven for this, uh, for enduring through this. If I believed in indulgences, I would say this was, <laughs> you, you, mm. earned, you <laughs> earned your indulgence but I don't believe in that. So anyways, thanks a lot, everybody. And until next week, keep pondering.